Well, good day to you. Larry here. You're listening to The Daily Larb. This is the podcast show for creative thinkers, for artists, for craftspeople, for solo workers, for people who give a shit about what they do and do their damnedest to be better at it today than they were yesterday. You know, uh, I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a creative person. I like to really get into stuff and get in deep and do the best damn job I possibly can, no matter what it is. Uh, if the subject matter doesn't engage me, you're bound to get a shitty result from me, <laughs> you know. And, uh, well, that's the way it should be, because you can't be great at everything, and you can't, uh, you can't be interested in everything, because then, well, it's just nonsensical. Uh, y- you have your thing, you like to do it, you like to do it well, and uh, sometimes you feel like you'd even do it if you weren't getting paid for it. And uh, maybe you're not getting paid for it. If you are getting paid for it, I hope you're getting paid well for it. Because that's the name of the game, you know. That's the flip side of the creative coin, you might say. Where we take the time to make our stuff. And we engage in that process. Whatever that process happens to be. And then we come back and we show everybody else what we made. And people go, oh, that's cool. And then they want to pay you for it. That's the best, you know, for me anyway. So this show is all about that. It's all about the creative process, creative integrity. It's all about work and how to maybe uh, switch off from all the noise of things and other people who try to convince you otherwise, who try to convince you that maybe you should get a real job. (laughs) And uh, maybe your creative outlet is your real job. And that's to be envied because uh, that's exactly where I think I want to be. And uh, where a lot of people, a lot of creative people that I hear from want to be, you know, that they're actually making a living from the stuff that they love to do, you know. And this show is all about that. And it's all about um, how you and I uh, manage to create the thing that we like to make in this fucking crazy world of uh, capitalism and convenience and distraction and crazy people you know because um let's face it the majority of uh western industrialized society is crazy like it's crazy but it's kind of fun to watch it too you know it's fun to watch it if you're not too caught up in solving it you know in fixing it my opinion is that there's nothing needs to be fixed that everything and everyone is in the right place for where they should be right now, you know? Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Um, this podcast uh, goes out on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Anchor, Overcast, uh, Pocket Casts, uh, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Anywhere good podcasts are available, you'll get the Daily Larb. And uh, go out, the, the show goes out every couple of days. And I like to get out maybe three or four episodes a week. If I'm feeling particularly opinionated about something, I might get on here uh, maybe more than that. But that's typically what you'll get, you know. And on Sundays, generally, although this Sunday was an exception, and maybe a couple other Sundays recently, uh, on Sundays I narrate the Sunday Letters article, and I publish that as an episode here on the podcast. And I also email my readers 
uh, a link to the article. Uh, now, recently, I've been uh, very busy with the work that puts money in my pocket. I'm a Sparks, an electrician, and uh, I work for myself. And I enjoy the work, you know. Uh, I like going out and making stuff and uh, figuring things out and doing little jobs. You know, I do. I enjoy it. I work with my hands. And um, I was just talking to a friend of mine this weekend, uh, a builder friend of mine that I do a piece of work for, do a bit of work for. And we were talking about how kids, uh, he, he was talking about his kid and how, what he's going to do for the summer and uh, what he likes to do and, and um, what his interests are and uh, why it's a good idea perhaps for kids to have that practical experience of working with their hands early on and uh, it brings with it a grounding I think a grounding in an, in the ability to solve problems and to be innovative and creative uh, not only in that particular work whatever it happens to be like it could be you know, let's let's talk about the trades, for example. Uh, it could just as well be um, art, like painting or drawing or pottery making or or, or any uh, artistic creative endeavor, right? I don't I don't necessarily categorize the, the the trades as artistically creative, although they can be. You can take those disciplines and be be artistic with them. I try to be, you know. Um, it matters to me how the small details of an installation matter to me, you know. And I know other guys who, who care about that too, but they're few and far between, you know. But anyway, I could get onto that subject now another time because I think it's it's a very important. There's a series of very important points to be made in relation to quality workmanship. But I'll park that one for a minute. So we're talking about kids and how... Uh, getting out into the workforce early has huge benefit for them over their peers, or may have if they're introduced to kind of manual work, you know, technical work, manual work, where they're getting out with their hands and they're making stuff. Like uh, they could be working with electronics, they could be working with uh, uh, wood, you know, they could be working with pipe and cables. It doesn't matter, but it brings enormous benefit, you know. Now, not not all kids are the same, but if you take, for example, a kid. Uh, 17 or 18 and they leave school and they go to college and spend uh, perhaps four years could be six years uh, in academia now okay they might have worked summers and stuff like that but by the time they come out of college they're like um what could you say they could be mid-20s and now the work starts now the apprenticeship starts you know they have to learn the ropes uh, in the organization that they've chosen to join or in many cases, who's in the organisation which has chosen them, and they could be thirty before they're in a position uh, where they might be considered capable, you know, um, skilled enough to maybe lead a team uh, or um, be given authority to make decisions or whatever now i think that's very late you know i think um practical experience must come into play a lot earlier uh, now i know that doesn't apply to all kids the same but like i really believe that uh 
kids from the age of 15, 16 need to have, should have hands-on experience in the field, whatever that field happens to be. Like if you think about farmers' kids, you know, they're very, they're very creative and innovative by virtue of the fact that they've been out there on the farm in the middle of a field with their father, for example, when the tractor breaks down and they're they're required to get that tractor going, you know? What are they gonna gonna do? Are they gonna sit there and wait for a service vehicle to come along and fix the tractor? Uh, and they lose half a day or a day of production in the field? I don't think so. They have to learn how to fix the tractor, you know? And I think kids these days young kids <laughs> I suppose uh, all generations could nearly echo this sentiment, but I just think kids the majority of kids are being educated out of being creative and educated out of uh the skills that are just waiting to to come up to come to the fore you know now I say this from a position where I left school when I was fifteen and I went into the workforce to start learning my trade. I finished my trade when I was nineteen, and I was streets and streets ahead of other guys who uh who didn't, you know, who who went all the way through till they were about 18 and then left school and started. And um, I just think that the practical experience has so much to offer kids if it's introduced, you know, and I don't think there's enough, an emph- enough of an emphasis on it. But here we go, right? AI is coming in. A lot of the jobs, the manual jobs that uh, w- would have been there are going to be taken over. Like, it won't be long before the construction industry won't need the manpower because it is mainly manpower uh, to function. Um, uh, buildings can be 3D printed, right? Now, that, that's been done, although it hasn't been scaled. I, don't only, think it, I only think it's a matter of time. And uh, I only think it's a matter of time before uh, machines are doing the plumbing and the electrical and the electronic and uh, the mechanical systems, I I really think that those trades will be made defunct. Now, at the same time, I think there's an opportunity for the craft, the skills to remain. But uh, watch out. I still think there's something inherently beneficial in having practical, physical manual skills, you know. Um, Myself and me, mate, another chap... A friend of mine were were listening to uh, a radio show um, over the weekend. I was in Kerry, and as we were driving to Carantool, which is the highest peak in Ireland, I'll get onto that in a minute. We climbed it. Uh, there was a there's a radio show on about sheep shearing and how it is has become a craft, whereas before it was a necessity and uh, wool uh, commanded high prices etc now wool is not really that um very much thought after uh except for in maybe certain industries but it's worth far less now than it was let's say 20 50 years ago and uh anyway they were talking about the craft of it uh, and how it as an industry uh has all but disappeared you know and um i think for many trades that will eventually occur, uh, uh, but maybe there's an opportunity for uh, 
the trade to exist the trades to exist at a smaller kind of bespoke level who knows we'll see what way it goes how did i get on to talking about this well i was talking about work yeah that's what it was i was talking about work and the benefit of doing the work you know um learning the skills the manual skills um but i don't know maybe like maybe like the trade of the cooper you know the barrel maker uh that will go um in favor of uh aluminium kegs for beer you know guinnesses in dublin used to employ hundreds if not thousands of guys uh coopers to uh make their barrels for the guinness and um I know there's probably some small crafts people left still making barrels, wooden barrels, uh, for like whiskey and stuff like that. But um, it's few and far between. So um, anyway, kind of went off on a tangent there. What I wanted to talk to you about today, what was it exactly? Well, I wanted to tell you about Karen Tuchel anyway. I climbed us uh, at the weekend for the first time. Now, it's not a tall mountain. Uh, as Irish mountains go, it's the tallest, but... On a grander scale, it's not very tall at all. 1,038 metres. Um, and it is a bit of a challenge, you know. I'll I'll give you that. It's about, I'd say, two and a half miles walk from the car park, gradually uphill to uh, to the to the base. And then from there, you have to make um, a scramble, I suppose, more or less, for, I don't know what it is. What's the distance? Up the Devil's Ladder, it's called. And uh, it's kind of... It's it's essentially uh, a mountain stream or a little kind of waterfall. It's quite steep and at, towards the top there's only room for one person to get up onto the top kind of platform. Um, but anyway, it, it takes about maybe two and a half hours to, to get to the summit and uh, maybe the same back down again. But it was good. Um, it was good fun and uh, I enjoyed it. But uh, it certainly was a bit of a test, you know. Um, so uh as we're coming down the descent is uh it's actually enjoyable because you're watching all everybody else struggling to get up the bloody mountain you know but um i enjoyed the descent because it's kind of you just kind of freewheel it down a large part of, of the devil's ladder bit and you have to kind of take it a bit easier but um as i was coming down there were throngs of people coming up now we got out early and we missed the main um a uh, group of people but uh, i was watching them coming up and I, we had to wait because at the top of the devil's ladder there's only room for one as i was saying and they were all coming up and they were breathing heavy and there was a great sense of achievement in their faces some of them some of them weren't too impressed but uh i was watching them and then i started descending down with the rest of my group and uh i just kind of it's it's kind of hypnotic because you're choosing to where to put your feet you're you're keeping a sharp eye on the next stone on the next rock and there's water rushing down uh through the rocks uh, as you're stepping along and some of them are slippy and some of them are not uh and it's kind of it kind of puts you in a bit of a, a bit of a trance i think you know as you're picking your stone to step on and you're moving down and i was thinking to myself you know why do why why do people do this you know what's the point uh i mean you know you could talk about the sense of of gratification you get by reaching the top but you're only there for like as long as you stop you know and maybe have a sandwich or 
a drink or something like that, and a bit of a break and have a look at the view if if you can, because generally, it was cloudy and we were up there, so we didn't really see a whole lot, didn't see anything really. It was like being in the middle of a cloud. But let's say you saw the view, uh, and maybe, maybe you didn't see the view, but it, either way, like when you leave and you descend, what was the point of it? There might have been kind of some joy in actually achievement and the achievement of actually getting there. You'll have a smile on your face and stuff. Uh, but then you descend and you get to the bottom and then it's just a memory and it's gone. It is, that's how it feels for me anyway. Uh, it was like um, when I was younger uh, winning a championship with my football team. We won the championship uh, and it was great and we celebrated. But the final whistle went and it was like, all right. What what was the big deal? <laughs> What's the big deal? Like it's I feel I feel exactly the same as I did uh, an hour ago before this thing started, and here I am now, and I feel the same way. So what's the point, you know? And even afterwards, uh, the next day and the next week and stuff, like we celebrated and we had some good fun together, celebrating. But it was like, well, is that it? You know? And I get to think about. Uh, setting goals and achieving goals in the same way that's how I feel about it now I think it's pointless setting goals you know and and pursuing them you know going after them with all your intent because it's been my experience that when I get there it's like so what you know Um, I don't know is, is that the same for you I mean, they don't last. And why should they last? Do you, like, hang on to your one achievement or series of achievements and never progress then? Is that the, is that the way it should be? You should hang on to that forever? Or should you forget about it and pursue more? But then again, the, pursuing, the pursuit of the next goal uh, might engage you for a while, but then you get there and you go, well, okay, thanks very much. It's like I read somewhere um, from some entrepreneur bloke, I don't know, I can't even remember who it was, uh, or what it was in relation to necessarily, but it was about, this guy was a millionaire and uh, his his goal was to be a millionaire and when he became a millionaire, it was like, okay, I'm, I, there was no great fanfare, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm, oh, I'm a millionaire now, great, what's next, you know? And I think that's the trap that you and I can fall into with regard to our work, you know, with regard to uh, pursuing fame and pursuing applause and uh, bright, shiny things, you know, because the illusion is in our mind that the future somehow is better than the present, than where we are. And uh, the pursuit of these goals that we have is... For me, anyway, is the misleading notion that somehow our lives will be better in some future or other. But the fact of the matter is, when you stop and look at it, when you really stop and look at it, and you come to understand that tomorrow never comes, that there is no tomorrow or next week or next year, that's all completely abstract and illusory. It's not real. The only reality that you and I have is 
right now. And when we become engrossed in that and we're doing what we're doing purely for the sake of the enjoyment of that, well, I think that's what it's about. How how could it not be that? Because there's no there's no experiencing the future. As soon as the next second comes along, it's now. And when it passes, it's still now. So it's almost like you and I are stationary. And this world is kind of passing through us and around us. Whatever you are, whatever I am. There doesn't seem to be, to me, any arriving at some future or other. You know? I think there's complete merit in just doing what you want to do purely for the sake of it like climbing a mountain and waiting to see what happens waiting to see what the surprise is I think that's where the that's where the fun is you know I know I can't say what it is for you or anybody else I can only say how it feels to me and upon reflection It certainly seems that for all the years I spent in pursuit of of that something, that better version of that supposed better version of me or that uh, financial goal or status, uh, maybe it was the number of employees or maybe it was the size of the bank account or maybe it was uh, maybe it was the shirt I wore or the vehicle that I drove. And all of these things are just abstract notions, you know. I was listening to Alan Watts today. I have the same kind of, I think it's about 18 hours of audio in a single audio book. It's called, uh, uh, what's it called? Just So is the name of the audio book. And I listened to it over and over and over. I've I've probably listened to it about 20 or 30 times so far. But every time I listen to it, I get something else from it. And uh, today, as I listened, he spoke about uh, humanity's uh, complete obsession with symbols, with abstract notions of reality. Symbols being cars, uh, status, uh, money in the bank, um, airplanes, wives, you know, these things. And in that obsession, in the pursuit of those things, we miss reality. We miss what's going on right now around us. And all of a sudden, you've spent your life doing that shit. And it seems that you wasted it all, you know? This, is, this to me is uh, this whole realisation that the future never gets here. And the past is just a memory stamp, whatever memory is. We don't know what memory is. We can study it and we can put all of these kind of other abstract notions in place to explain what memory is and how it functions. But we don't know what it is. Psychology doesn't know what it is. Neuroscience can't find it. It's not in the brain. They can talk about all of these uh, uh, things that go on in the brain, this uh, neuronal activity and stuff like that. But nobody knows where memory is. Nobody knows... uh, you talk about memory being stored, you know, store, memory storage. When you remember, you remember now. When you remember, in other words, you put back together. When you do that, you do it now. And 
when you document the past or when you read a history book or when you talk with somebody else about what happened last week or last year, you are formulating the past and you're doing it now. So like Alan Watts says, when you drop a stone in a pond, the, the, the ripples move out from the centre. And that's what future and past are. They move out from the centre, which is here and now. It's like when you talk about the past, you talk about it now. You 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 bring you give it gravity. You give it embodiment when you discuss it. When you talk about it now, it doesn't ex- you can't go there to experience it. When you form it, you form it now, just like when you form the future. And when you spend time, too much time on that past experience, maybe those great days that you had, or you spend too long in dreaming about some future that you want to have here that never gets here well then you miss what's going on right now and here is the absolute critical importance of being engaged in our work I was getting to something with this and I'm kind of brought to this realisation all the time but it just so happens that I was descending Karen Tuchel on Saturday evening Saturday afternoon when this came to mind you know Um. That the creative process to be to be completely engaged in your work right now, simply for the sake of it, is what creativity is. And from there you can create really great stuff, you know. You've no choice. I mean, if you try to force it, you just make a bag of shit. You just do. If you try to make something, if you if you try to push yourself to make something meet a deadline it can, it can help you make something but that pressure to perform is not good for everybody and I'd be arguing against it I'd be arguing for purposeful accident which I've spoken about before and which uh, is mentioned in the artist's manifesto it's simply the process of getting into your work for the sake of it and seeing what happens. And invariably something good comes about. You end up working with people that you never thought you'd work with before. You make stuff that you never thought you'd make. You'd meet people. You would be uh, engaged in circumstances that you could never have dreamt of. And sure, that not that the joy of it? Sure, what else do you want? You can't, you can't make it, you know. No matter how hard you try, you can't make it happen. People talk about in business all the time and in startup culture that you got to make it happen, you know, and all this bullshit that it's if it is to be, it is up to me and all this crap, right? And it leads people down the garden path because it convinces you and me that we have to force it, that if it's not made, well, then it's somehow our fault, you know? Now, I'm not saying... it. Is, I am saying it is your fault because... You get, you do get to make it, but you can't make it by, by thinking you can, if that makes sense. You can't make it by going out to to make something on spec, on you do it on impulse, but not on command, not on command of others. You know, because when you do, it's like there's pressure to perform now. Repetition helps. I mean, you can talk about 10,000 hours. I think 10,000 hours as a concept is bullshit. 
it only gets you to the start line. I've spoken about that too. Um, you want to you want to find mastery in your work. Well, you've got to spend three times that, at least maybe five times that. In fact, I don't believe it's up to you or me to uh, call ourselves masters. That's up to somebody else to uh, bestow on us. You know, we just get into it. Like I I watch myself when I work with my hands. You know, like a lot of things I do are automatic. It's almost like I'm just and it's almost like it's happening on its own. I go in and I'm doing stuff and there's these little idiosyncrasies, these little mannerisms, these little movements that when I watch myself making making stuff, doing stuff in my job, um, they're just doing it. It's just happening. It's just doing itself. I'm sure you're, if you're a painter or a writer or creative, you find the same yourself. You're just, it's like driving your car down the street and maybe... You're so engaged in something, you're forgetting, all of a sudden you're you're there. And you're like, how did I get here? I don't remember driving my car. And it's like that sometimes when you're, when you're doing your work, you know. If you're totally engaged in it, it's like everything else disappears and you're like, zoom. And uh, there's no time, there's no space, there's no distraction, there's no nothing. It's just you, boom, in the motion, boom, 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 boom. And that's, that's the only place to be. That's the only place worthwhile being. And for creative people, for artists and writers and, and craftspeople and people who make stuff, we are at a distinct advantage over everybody else because everybody else is engaged in the drama, you know, the drama of doing shit for money. And that's a trap, you know. I believe it is anyway. I think that uh, we have to disconnect from that in order to make something good these days I've got to tell you and be completely honest I have no plans other than kind of maybe fuzzy ones that I'd like to achieve that I'd like to experience there's a difference that I'd like to not not achieve experience um, and I'm alright if they don't come about. Now, I'm trying to put this into words and it's difficult. I really don't give a shit about achieving as society would convince you and me we need to achieve, if that makes sense. These days, um, I'm just doing whatever I want. And in doing whatever I want... Switching off from the need to have things a particular way, um, it seems to be working out. And what I mean by that is, I'm um, content almost all the time. I do get a little bit uptight from time to time, and uh, but that's it's rare, you know. Uh, there's certainly no pressure. I don't. I don't feel any pressure, financial pressure, on what I felt before, and that only came about by virtue of um, giving up hating the work, giving up on the need to achieve things through that work. And um, I'm quite content these days just doing what I want to do and seeing what comes about. And uh, there's kind of 
some excitement in that. There's certainly no apprehension. There's there's an intrigue in it, you know? Um and good things tend to happen, you know. I've written about that before, that some of the the best things that I've experienced to date have come about without any effort from me. Not really. I mean, I had to do stuff, but there's no there's no I have to get there, you know? There was no I have to reach it in doing that stuff. You know, you're not just gonna sit there with your eyes closed, not engaging with the world, because that's not an experience. It's not an experience from the physical standpoint, which is, you know, you're a physical being, same as me. And I like to do stuff, I like to make stuff and you know, break stuff and see what happens when I do this, that or the other. And uh that's part of you know what we are but uh i think it's i think it's uh what do i think i think it's good to be able to walk out your door uh and just do whatever it is you want to do uh without without any pressure you know and i think we've got a choice in that um but at the same time i think there needs to be a period where you get so caught up in trying to make it, trying to make it, you know, trying to make the world work, you know, and trying to achieve stuff that there comes a point where, you know, you're like, this isn't working. What am I doing here? This is crazy, you know. And uh, uh, I think in large part, in order to realize that uh, you do have to reach a point where it's like, ah, here, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, and um it's 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 peaceful there's release in it you know and uh, i think as a as an artist or writer uh you've got you've got to go there you've got to find that place in order to make something worthwhile you know um so that's it for today uh that was probably a lot of a lot of old rubbish but uh just some thoughts that i've had on my mind the intention was to get this out uh in sunday letters this week but uh as i said i was down in kerry so i didn't have a chance um i could be so much better prepared and have all of these episodes teed up weeks in advance but you know what um that's not what i want you know i like to be engaged in the subject matter now and get it out uh tomorrow that's how i work that's how I'm working now. I know there's lots of uh, people and organisations that have m- a much more efficient uh, podcasting uh, regimen going. But uh, that's not how I do it. Uh, I think of something. I like to talk about it and get it out. And that's that's my bag. you know. So uh, it's Monday today. And as, as I said, uh, I would have liked to have got this out yesterday, um, Sunday, on Sunday letters, but I didn't. So out today and uh, there's an article also uh, which isn't exactly uh, word for word with this episode but it's along the same line so give that a read that's over at larrygmaguire.com if you like this episode and you like the podcast please pay me a visit over at patreon.com forward slash larrygmaguire to support the show I uh, you'll help me keep this podcast advert free I have no intention of bringing ads to the show uh, but I would like to uh, finance it and uh, uh, by becoming a patron 
by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you'll help me build uh, uh, the time into my uh, routine to uh, make more of this stuff. And uh, I'm currently building a studio at the bottom of my garden, uh, slowly but surely. And your contributions will help me uh, complete that in just even the smallest of ways. So if you're a patron already, thanks a million. If you're a regular listener, thanks a million. If this is your first time uh, listening into the show, well then thanks a million. And uh, I'll be back later in the week. Uh, check me out on LarryGMcGuire.com. Follow me at LarryGMcGuire on Twitter. And uh, check me out there on um, Patreon as well. All right. So that's it for now. Thanks a million for joining me. And uh, I'll check you later. All right. Take it easy.